Hey, this is Brian with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock at 4302 Canal Street. My wife, Christy, and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard, and you can learn a little bit more about the church. Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and of course online, midcityvineyard.org. Last week, we actually started a new series entitled MCV Distinctives, and we're talking about, uh, over the next couple of weeks, the things that we really feel like we want to be and should be really good at as a church, both a church organized and a church, the church organic. And so this week, we're talking about giving things away, particularly about being generous, generous with our money, generous with our stuff, generous with our lives. So we hope that you enjoy it. Much peace to you. Well, I am more excited about tonight's uh, talk, teaching, message, sermon, what, I don't know what we call them around here at Mid-City Vineyard, um, than I've been about uh, a message in, uh, since last week. And so, you know, what? here's what we're doing. Over these next couple of weeks, we're calling this MCV Distinctives. And these are those things that we really feel as a church are... They're, they're of the utmost importance to us. These are the things that I, I think that every church should do. I think that every Christian uh, should do just out of, out of who we are as followers of Christ. But I don't know that we all do that, and that's okay. This is going to be, for us, though, these are the building blocks in which we are building this church, Mid-City Vineyard. And so we started last week by talking about uh, how these distinctives work in the church organic and the church Organized, And again, I'm, I just want to remind you, when we talk church organized, we're talking this right here. We're talking uh, the, the institution, the organization. We're talking what we do as a group together. Uh, and then when we talk, when I use the word church organic, I'm talking about what we do that's not officially organized as Mid-City Vineyard, but it's what we do as the church organic out in the streets in our offices with one another when we're uh, spending time on Saturday mornings uh, cutting people's trees and things like that. I mean, it's just whatever it might be. So we have organized and organic. And as I mentioned last week, our first distinctive was this idea of Mid-City Vineyard. We want to be very good as a church or organized and as a church organic at throwing parties, at creating space for, pl- for people space where they can interact with and experience the the presence of the Spirit of God, maybe oftentimes without even knowing that's what they are experiencing. And let me just say, the blessing of the pets last week was amazing. I And I was, I was more than uh, blown away by our, our church organized just as we were out there and just watching, watching you rub shoulders with people and, and spend time with people that were just walking up to have their pets blessed. And, and for me personally, just so you guys know, um, three of our neighbors came out to Blessing of the Pets. Matter of fact, our, our immediate neighbors got out there at 8 o'clock, and they're the ones that cooked the jambalaya. They beat everyone out there, and they cooked the jambalaya. We had our other neighbors come to have their pets blessed, and uh, neighbors that we have only talking, talk, talking, only talking to, we've only spoken to just... Um, a, a few times because uh, they live a, f- a bit further down, they came out. And so for us, that was amazing. And then watching our church spend time with our friends, our neighbors was, uh, you know, it, it just, it was beautiful. And so 
I think that you guys were amazing. Just, just a great job. And that's something that we are, we're good at. We, we're, we're, and we're going to be good at. Throwing parties. That's how we kicked this thing off. Uh, from the very beginning, when we, when we launched Mid-City Vineyard, that was one of those things that uh, we said we're going to be good at this. Another thing that we said from the very beginning that we're going to be good at at Mid-City Vineyard, organized, is giving things away. We've decided very early on that we are going to be a very giving church. And tonight, we're going to talk about giving. Tonight, we're going to talk about money, and we're going to talk about giving of our money. We're going to be talking about giving of ourselves. And I'm actually, I, I'm actually not nervous at all. I have a lot of friends. Uh, as a matter of fact, I haven't met any pastor, really, that uh, is, it, it gets excited about talking about money. And I think I understand why. But I don't have a lot of the same hang-ups with money uh, and, and never really have. And so for me, I'm kind of like, hey, I, I, I am incredibly excited about this. I think and I pray that this is really good for all of us tonight. Because I think it's uh, very, very important. When we started Mid-City Vineyard, we started this church in our house, me uh, and Christy and our kids. And we had, uh, there were 10 other people. There were 10 other adults. And so there were 12 of us in our den. This was two and a half years ago. That's how Mid-City Vineyard started. And what we were doing was we were getting together and we were planning, we were praying, we were thinking, we were eating together, uh, we were praying together, we were reading the scriptures together, and at that time we as a, a group of 12 started giving together. We actually had the give jar. And we said, we're going to put the give jar out every week that we get together. And anytime you want to give and put it in the give jar, we're going to use that money to help one another, the, the 12 of us. That's what we're going to do with that money. Well, everyone jumped on board. And so we, we actually, before, we, we weren't a church. We, we, we weren't anything. We were a group of 12 people uh, who were part of another church being sent out and trying to figure it out. So all of a sudden, we had all this money, and we started thinking, well, and no one in the group of 12 needed any help. So uh, we found people who needed help. And I'll, I'll never forget this. We were looking for a church to actually rent uh, when we were starting this thing out. And so I met with a whole bunch of pastors up and down uh, Carrollton and Canal here and just, uh, hey, can I, can I uh, buy you a beer? Can we go hang out? And then they'd say, well, I don't drink beer, and so we'd have to go get coffee and, you know, that kind of thing. But, but we eventually, uh, I, I hit on this one, this one guy, the Lutheran guy down the street, and those guys drink beer. And so we were hanging out at the Bulldog. <laughs> we're hanging out at the Bulldog one day, and, and uh, we're spending some time together, and and uh, I asked him, I, somehow budgets came up. And he's like, man, we are so, so behind on our budget right now. And, uh, and I thought, well, hey, would you guys consider renting your building to us? You know, and that would really help with the budget. And so he goes back and he, he, he talks to his people and he comes back. He says, yeah, we can't rent to you guys because uh, his word's not mine. Us Lutherans do things kind of weird and we can't let somebody who's non-Lutheran into our building. But as, as I was thinking about it, I just really felt like... Um, the Spirit of God was putting it in our, in our thoughts. So they were behind on their budget. So Mid-City Vineyard, which wasn't Mid-City Vineyard, which was a group of 12 people, we cut them a check for $1,000. And I went over there one day. I said, listen, our, our little ragtag uh, group of 12 would like to give this money to you guys just to help you meet the, the budget this month. And this guy was beside himself. He's like, well, what church are you guys? No, we're not a church. We're just a, we're just a group of people who are following Jesus, trying to figure out what this looks like, and we've decided very early on that we're going to be generous, and you guys need it, and we want to give this to you. Amazing. Well, a few weeks later, 
one of the girls, a single mother in our group, uh, did hit some hard times, and it was amazing because we were able to cut her ch- a check. I-, I can't remember now if it was $500 or $1,000, but whatever she needed, we were able to cut her a check. And so this group just started this way. And I am happy to tell you guys right now, Mid-City Vineyard has officially been a church now for one year and some months. We've officially been a church for 20 months. How long is that? That's a year and a half plus two. And and in that time, Mid-City Vineyard Organized has given away over $17,000. Okay, you guys, yeah, you guys need to know. And I'm... Look at us. I mean, this, this, this is who we, we've given away over $17,000. And I want you to know about this because this is what we've done organized. You don't know about all of these things. And I can't rattle them all off to you. I couldn't even remember most of them. But um, there was a girl in our community right here in Mid-City who uh, I'll save her story for her to share with you one day. But it was a difficult time. It was a difficult situation. This girl wanted and needed to get back in school. And she did not have the means and the long and short of it is Mid-City Vineyard put her through her first semester of school, $3,500. We put her back through school. Now she was able to apply for aid after that, and she's now, that was two semesters ago, so she's now in her third semester on her way to getting her degree in finance, which is something that she wants. You know, so um, we have been able to help people in our own community of faith right here who have lost their jobs. We've had people, I mean, the, the economy, it is what it is right now, and We have friends in this community right here who have lost their jobs and come on difficult times, and we've been able to help them financially, whether it's $500, $1,000, whatever it might be. Uh, We had one person in our community of faith who didn't lose his job, but he got injured on the job, and it it just, um, for various reasons, we were able to give that family a good deal of money. Uh, We were able to send $1,500 to a pastor, a vineyard pastor in Katy, Texas, two weeks ago, whose house flooded. Being a pastor of a vineyard church whose home flooded in Katrina, I know what it is to have your house flooded and to have someone bless you financially. He, unlike us, did not have flood insurance because you don't have to have it in Houston. So we, we were able to send them $1,500. Uh, just a few months ago, I think you should know this, but we called our landlords who, who rent us this facility. Now they charge us very little rent already. So we called our landlords after they agreed to rent us the building for 2018, and we increased our rent. So we gave our landlords a raise. And here's why we did that. I personally feel like... (laughs) We'll give her a second. (laughs) No, it's really... What's that? Don't run. Don't run with the baby. She's healthy. It's good. Yeah. It's fine. Okay, we'll carry on. So we called our landlords because they have been so amazingly generous to us. They, they just, they, you can't find anything in Mid-City for, for even a fraction of the price that they're charging us. And so we called them and said, as, as those who are stewards of the money that we feel like the, the Lord is giving to us, we want to continue to bless their ministry because that's, this is something that God's doing with them. So we increased our own rent. And I... I just 
That's what we're going to do. That's, that's what we do. That's just some of the money that we have given away and been able to do things with. Now, that's the church organized, the church organic, and, and, and what we're doing behind closed doors. I have heard stories of some of you saying that so-and-so uh, gave you money to help you with your rent because you might have been behind or you came on hard times, so someone in the community of faith knew about it and just called you up, which, by the way, is really beautiful. You know you're clicking as a church when the church members don't necessarily call the pastor and say, hey, Ryan's really on hard times. What are we going to do? Well, we know we're operating really well as a church when, when we realize, well, I am the church, and Ryan's really on hard times, and I have the means to help in that situation. Therefore, I don't really have to make a phone call. That's when you really understand and you, we begin to understand what the church is. I've heard stories of some of you guys helping uh, each other with food when, when there was a need for food. Uh, I actually know of one story in particular where one family gave another family a substantial gift, uh, just a financial gift, just to help uh, another family uh, do, get some things, get, get under their feet, uh, get their feet under them a little bit better. So there's or- organized, there's organic, and I think, honestly, that we have a generous church, which is why I probably don't mind talking about money, because I don't feel like I have to stand up here like some pastors feel like they do sometimes and say, we need to give more, because right now we're, we're, we're okay. We're, we're generous. So I want you to think about this. This is for your own heart tonight, depending, because I don't, and, and this is very important. I want everyone to know this. I don't have any idea when you give to the church organized, I have no idea who gives what. I don't see the money. I don't see the checks. I don't see any of that. What I see is a total at the end when our bookkeeper says, hey, uh, this month the offering was whatever. So I don't, I, I don't know if you give or if you don't give. Therefore, you can't be like, oh, I feel like he's staring at me the whole time. If you, if you feel that way, if you feel that way, that's, that might be the, the spirit and that might just be something that, that God's doing with you. And I, because I, I don't know what you give. I have no idea. I do think pastors have a difficult time with this, though, because we, if we're really honest, in our society, there is great abuse with pastors and money. I, there, there, there's great abuse. Even in our own town, we've seen news stories run over and over and over again about the abuses of money. Whenever we see pastors buying $60 million jets you know, for their ministry, that's hard for us to wrap our heads around. It just, it just is. You know, when we, when we see uh, pastors driving around in $120,000 Mercedes, that is hard to wrap your head around. Um, and, you know, to, to, to those men and women, okay, I, you know, that's not for me to, to decide on, but it's still hard to wrap your head around. Another reason that it's difficult for pastors, and if I had to say that I had one challenge here, this would be it, is that pastors receive, you know, if, if the church decides and if the board of directors decides this, which our church has at this time, what you give is how we provide for our family. So you guys, when you give, uh, I receive a paycheck. I receive a paycheck from Mid-City Vineyard. And, and so it, 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 a lot of that money, uh, a portion that is used to provide for our family. Some people ask, you know, how do you get paid? Does, does Mega, Mega Mother Vineyard in, in Houston, Texas, you know, pay you? No, Mega Mother Vineyard doesn't do very much at all um, for Mid-City Vineyard. Well, does Mama Vineyard in Kenner pay you? No, 
they, they don't. Like this, the way that we provide for our family and what we sense God doing right now is, is through the generous giving of people in the community of faith. And, and if that needs to change at some point, then I'll go get another job doing something else um, and, and still pastor as long as, I, as long as I can be able to. Um, but when you have a lot of children, you guys can see where, where that goes and how that works. So that would be another, that would be one reason why this would be hard. But thinking through it, talking to my board about it, uh, we've decided that this is something that it, it's an area of discipleship, just like everything else that we talk about. How you understand and how you treat your money, how I understand and how I treat my money, it is discipleship, just like everything else we talk about. We need to be good with our money. So if you're here tonight and you are good with your money, good. If you're already generous, good. Maybe this will spur you to be even more generous. If you're here tonight and you're awful with money, let me tell you right away that we have people in our community of faith who are really, really good with money, and they can sit down with you and begin helping you figure out how to be better with your money. But I think this is for everyone, because we need to be good with our money just like we need to be good with our words, just like we need to be good with our possessions, just like we need to be good stewards with our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Jonah, I think I have this one. This is Paul, and he says this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians walk into a bar, and one of them says, yeah. oh, and that is so funny. I just think the whole 2 Corinthians thing, I can't. Okay. <laughs> but since you excel in everything, this is Paul, he says, since you excel in everything, since you excel in faith, and since you excel in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love that we have kindled in you, see also that you would excel in the grace of giving. Paul lumps it in there. He, he says, listen, there are things that I've been preaching to you. And, I, and, we, and I've been going from church to church and I've been, I've been teaching you. You know, in Philippians, I, you'll, you'll be reminded that, hey, I, I'm encouraging you with your thoughts. Whatever is good and true and beautiful and noble and, and trustworthy, fix your thoughts on these things. You know, be transformed in Romans by the renewing of your mind. So Paul's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you in your speech. I'm in, encouraging you in your thought life. I'm encouraging you. In um, your, uh, your sex life, I'm encouraging you in all of these areas. May every area of your life begin to come in alignment with Christ. And it's no different with your money. Be one who excels in the grace of giving. Now, Paul is telling folks, listen, you're, you're doing well. Keep going. Keep going. And do this as the church organized and do this as the church organized. So how might giving shape us? Because I believe that money plays a huge role in our spiritual formation. And the reason is, is because we live in a society that is based on production and consumption. That is the thread that runs through our society. How much can I produce? How much do I consume? First Timothy, Paul says this. He says, listen, now we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. That's what Paul says. 
Then he goes on to say, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, let's, let's call it like it is. He says, he doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? Okay, money is not the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, you kind of need some money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And he doesn't say all people who are eager for money wander from the faith and are pierced uh, with many griefs. He says some people. But what I think Paul is getting at here is he, he's, he's, he's moving us in the same direction that Jesus was moving us when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, listen, you can't serve two masters. Jesus is the one that says you cannot serve money and God. He says either you will love the one and hate the other. You can't have it both ways. And Paul's saying the same thing. So the question would be, well, why be generous? Why give? Why, why give to God? Why give to the church organized? Why give as the church organic? Do I give out of law? Do I give out of manipulation? Well, I would suggest that we are generous and we, we allow the Spirit of God to begin moving us in the, this direction for the same reason we do everything else, because of who God is. See, it's interesting because we don't kick back. I, I find that the money thing is, is hard for us. We don't kick back a lot of times. You know, we hear the, the most difficult teaching in all of Scripture, in my opinion, is when Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who curse you. <laughs> and we say, well, yeah, that's, I mean, it's so noble. Uh, yes, Jesus, good, good for Jesus. And why does Jesus do it? Because Jesus shows us what it is to love enemies and pray for those who curse us. And then, you know, we go about most of our business saying, yeah, that's a, that's, a very, that's a wonderful teaching, and I should really do that. I'm not going to do that, but it's a wonderful teaching, and I should do that. And I don't really disagree with it. I just don't think it's for me. That's kind of the rationale we use. But when it comes to money, a lot of times, we, 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 don't, even, we don't even think in any way, shape, or form that, wait, maybe giving and generosity, it's just like, Jesus teaches us to love our enemies as Jesus love our, loves our enemies. Maybe giving and generosity is another way that we actually imitate and imagine the God that we serve. Jesus, God, Spirit, is very generous. And may the Spirit begin to cultivate generosity in our hearts. We give generously as a way of actually freeing ourselves from the trap of money. We give as a way of freeing ourselves from the fear of scarcity. There's an interesting thing that, that happens that we learned um, um, through adoption. When, when children are in the womb, if children are malnourished while they are in the womb, when those children are birthed and when they come to their existence on this side of the womb, even if a child is immediately brought back to full nourishment and they are brought back to a place of health, there is something cognitively that takes place in that child. And there is always this cognitive firing in their minds that, make, that keeps them wondering, 
if they will get their next meal. Now, science, science proves this, and it's, it's incredible to, to realize. But once a child, even in the womb, has been without, there is a built-in mechanism that makes the child wonder, will I get that next meal? I think the same thing happens with many of us. If we've ever experienced a time in our lives where finances were scarce, and, and some in the room have absolutely been at the, at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to finances, there's this thing that happens cognitively where we, where we, we have the fear of scarcity, and so it turns us into beings who are constantly grabbing and hoarding, grabbing and hoarding, and, and, and it makes it very difficult to let go. And I, I would suggest that one of the things that giving does for us is it begins to break that, that, that power or that cycle or whatever you want to call it, that fear of scarcity. And it, 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 it begins to once again align us in, in line with what the Spirit of God's doing. Because God, I, I tell you this, God doesn't want anyone living in the fear of scarcity or the fear of poverty. Oh, God's going to make me rich? Ah, nope. I'm not going to know. God's going to figure out a way to take care of me? I actually do believe that. And remember, I told you a few weeks ago, sparrows still starve, and they still fall out of the sky. So go back and listen to that teaching to kind of find your way back to here. But I believe, especially in a community like this, we learn, we figure, we figure out how to take care of one another, and that's God taking care of us. Ultimately, becoming generous brings us to a place of understanding that what we actually have is not really ours anyway. Everything belongs to God. In 2005, when our house was flooded, Katrina comes through, floods our house, and in an amazing turn of events, a tornado somehow also found our house and took the roof off. So we didn't just get floodwaters in Katrina. We also got, uh, we got the waters that came from the top. So we come in after Katrina, and I would say that 95% of our house was just gone. The 5% that was redeemable, we boxed up, we had it, we put it on the counters that we were going to be ripping out in a few days, and Rita comes through. When Rita came through, Rita finished off the 5% of the stuff that was in the boxes that we left in the house that day. So here's what happens to me. I, I, I remember this, and I, I guess, I, I suppose I'll never forget this. It's as clear as day. I'm sitting on my refrigerator in the front yard, looking at my bed, looking at uh, the cribs, looking at my childhood furniture, which we had just put into our oldest son's room two weeks before Katrina, looking at my books and my DVDs and my CDs and my television and you name it. If it was in the house, now it's on the front lawn. I remember realizing and I, I can't explain this to you other than just you have this thought, you have this sense. I remember realizing I really liked that stuff. Oh, we'll figure it out. It was, it was that easy. It, I don't know how or why. But I remember thinking, we'll figure it out. It's just stuff. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll go from here. Do you realize, and, and I, I, don't know how, I don't know how this plays out, do you realize... That we ended up fixing our house, we ended up refurnishing our house, and we did not buy. The only thing we ended up buying was a bed for, for us. We had someone give us sofas, we had someone give us coffee table, we had someone give us um, um, 
uh, a TV stand. We, we had someone give us a kitchen table. I mean, like, stuff just started. But here's what it did for me. It helped me realize that this stuff isn't mine. And I don't really, even today, I don't have a tie to stuff. All that you guys have all been to our house. The only new stuff we have in our house are those two sofas in the very front den who someone bought for us when we moved into the house. Everything else is old and used and given to us from somewhere else along the way. And you know what? If, if something comes through and wipes it out, so be it. We'll just, we'll, we'll figure it out because it's just stuff and it's... Now, you might say, ah, that's a, that's a careless attitude. I prefer to say that's more of a carefree attitude. And uh, you might say, well, I could never have an attitude like that. And I would say, yeah, I never thought I could have either. I'm grateful that Katrina kind of rewired my mind and my heart in these ways. It frees you. It frees you. Giving frees you. Knowing that even the money that you have isn't yours, it's God's. You're a steward. It frees you. In Matthew 5, again, remember Jesus tells us about you can only serve money or God. You can't have both. In 1 Timothy, Peter, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Paul says again, money is the root of all kinds of evil. In uh, 2 Corinthians again, let's go back there. Jonah, this is the next one. Paul says this a few verses later. He says, now here's the thing. He's talking to the church in Corinth. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty, whoever the your is, your plenty will supply what others need. So that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. This is what Paul's going after in the church. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here it is. When you give, do not give out of compulsion. But instead, give what you have decided in your heart. My number one goal for your life, and my number one goal for my life, is that all of our decisions would be run through the Holy Spirit. That all of our lives would be driven by, Spirit of God, what are you doing in this situation right here, right now? That's how I would like for you to make all of your decisions. That's how I would like for you to make your decisions based on your job. That's how I would like for you to make your decisions based on your marriage. That's how I would like for you to make your decisions based on if you decide that MCV is going to be your church or that you feel like you need to go find another one. Those decisions, these things should not be based off of just, well, I just think this is what I want to do. No, everything about our lives and following Jesus is Holy Spirit in this situation right here, right now. What are you doing? So when we receive an offering or take an offering or collect an offering or whatever it is, this is why I say every week, if you came prepared to give or tonight, if you would like to give because my desire is that you would pray and think ahead of time about your finances and that you would say god what are you doing here with this and what are you doing here with me in this situation so why give this is a formative process you want to have your heart stretched you want to have 
that your grasp loosened. You want to practice an exercise in trust and see where your trust really lies. I think moving towards generosity is a way that we begin to see what God's doing. We give as a way of following Jesus. We, way, we give as a way of making sure that greed and control of love and love of money don't have that firm grasp on us. And we give to care for one another. And giving is a practice. Let me just say once again, everything in our lives is practice. Everything that you do in your life comes from practice. Giving is a practice. I hope you don't listen to this tonight, and I hope you're not like incredibly stirred and say, wow, I, I, guess, I'll, uh, I guess I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll just feel like giving. <laughs> you won't. That's like saying, I guess I'll wake up tomorrow and feel like going to the gym, but you haven't been to the gym in you know, six years. You won't. And let's be honest, if you go to the gym because you're having a really good day and you go tomorrow and then you go Monday, let's all call it what it is. By Tuesday, you're going to be like, that might not have been such a great idea. It hurts. I'm sore. I hadn't been using those muscles. I didn't even know I had those muscles. This is the same thing with giving. It's the same thing with everything that we do. Think about this. What... I'm not going to ask you what I taught three weeks ago because I'm, I'm scared you might not remember. So let me tell you. Three weeks ago, what did I teach you? Rhetorical. I, I taught you and I said to you, listen, take time off. Rest. And you know, some of you still have not taken a day off since then. And I, for the life of me, I think it's because you think I'm either full of stuff or, or you think it's not important enough or you think you don't have time for it, but listen, as, as your pastor, I want to say to you, take time off. And the reason I teach that to you is because I believe that for the good of your soul, for the good of your mind, for the good of your relationship to people that you love in your life, for the good of your job, for the good of your employees, for the good of your boss, for the good of all things that are good, take a day off because it's a gift that God has given to you. And I'm going to teach you that. I'm also going to teach you to forgive people and not hold on to grudges. And the reason I'm going to teach you that is because I believe that that is foundational to what it is to follow Jesus. I believe that when you hold a grudge against someone, it keeps you in prison. And so we're going to learn together to forgive. I'm going to teach you to love your enemies because that's what Jesus has shown us. And we say, hey, we want to follow Jesus. Then I'm going to teach you to love your enemies. And you know what? I'm going to teach you that giving and being generous is good because it's good for your soul. It's good for your heart. It's good for your heartstrings. It's good for your fist so that they don't have to be so tight anymore. But it's not going to just happen. It's going to take practice. When I was 12 years old, I started cutting grass. Cutting grass down the street, $15 every time I cut that lawn. It's amazing for a 12-year-old. $15 every week. I brought my first $15 home, and my mom said, what are you going to do with that? Huh. I'm going to go buy more stuff. She said, well, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to actually take some of that money and save it. I want to encourage you to take some of that money and give it away. And I want to encourage you to take the rest of that money and spend it. So how do I decide? And she said, I, she said, I live on a, we, we live, our family lives on a very simple plan. We spend 
we save 10%, and we give away 10%. Now, I'm going to come back to these numbers in just a minute because there's, no, there's not a magic formula here, in my opinion. I said, but mom, if I save 10% and give away 10%, that leaves me only with $12, and that's not as many as $15. I don't think your idea is very good. And I said, how about when I start cutting more yards and I have more than $15, how about I start doing your plan then? And my mom looked at me and she said, I promise you right now, if you don't start right now with this $15 doing what I'm encouraging you to do, you will never do it with more money. She says, what do you think is easier to do? Give away $1.50 or give away $50? Well, $1.50 sounds easier. She says, well, if you ever make a day where you're making $500 in a week, you'll never be able to give away $50. Okay, I'll give it a shot. 12 years old. I've never stopped. I'm now 41. And I've never stopped, and here's why. Because I have seen that it has set me free in the most amazing ways. I was 12. I was making $15 a week. By the time I was 15, I was the only kid in high school who was making uh, uh, $250 a week. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was making $450 a week cutting grass. Cutting grass. And every... By the time I got to college, I was making incredible money. And in college, I was regularly giving away between two and $300 a month as a college kid. And wherever I, could, wherever I would find need, I would just give it away. There would be, uh, it didn't matter what it was. If I found a need, I would give money away. And I can honestly say there was no, and I know people say this, and you're like, if you've never experienced it and you think people are full of crap, I get it. But there was no better feeling and no greater sense of being able to say, hey, look, I know, I know you're in the hole. I know you can't afford your textbooks this semester, and your, your parents aren't helping you. Um, my parents are helping me with my textbooks, but here, here's 300 bucks if, if you want to get your textbooks. And someone just, it, it blows people's mind. Do you know that money is the language that speaks to people? So when you pay $3,500 for some young woman in the community to go to college, she will never, ever, ever, never, ever forget that there is some obscure church that rents some other church in Mid-City that wanted to pay for me to get my life going in the direction that I wanted it to go. So the other day, my kids start doing some work for the neighbor because they're trying to raise money for a vacation that we have coming up. So what conversation do you think I had with them? Yes, I did. And what do you think they said to me? Next time. Next time. And so we're, we're, we're going through it. We're working through it. Let me give you just a little bit of technical talk, and then we'll, we'll finish this thing up. First off, what about this 10% thing? If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've been taught, you might have been taught a couple things. The more you give to God, the more he will give back to you. I want to call BS on that. I, don't, I just simply want to say to you that this is not the kind of thing like, well, if I give $500 to God, then maybe God will give me back $1,500 because he'll be so impressed with my giving. Preachers preach that stuff. I think it's complete garbage. That's, that's not what's going on here. Other preachers preach, hey, you have to give your 10%. That's what, that's what the Lord demands. I cannot, and I, I might be the only pastor in town who's going who's gonna to teach it like this. I cannot find anything in the New Testament scripturally that says that you need to give 10% of your income. What I find in the New Testament is that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, 10% was an Old Testament thing. So 
do what you want with it. But let me, here's the deal. If you currently aren't generous at all, 10% is going to kill you. It's just going to kill you. So my suggestion is, you want to start loosening the, 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 the grasp of greed in your life or, 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 or the fear of scarcity. You might not be greedy. You might just be fear, fearful of scarcity. Whatever it is, and you don't give anything, don't start at 10%. Start at 1% or start at 2% or start saying, I'm going to give, I'm going to give $20 away a month or whatever it might be. Now, I want you to know, because I already told you that Mid-City Vineyard pays and supports me and my family. And I want you to know that when we receive paychecks, I give, I, I, I'm still part of the, I still give right back to Mid-City Vineyard. Okay, so this is, this is the kind of thing, and I, I've got nothing to hide. I, that's why I think I'm excited about this, because I think that there's freedom for us. I really do. I don't think it has to be 10%. I think you give cheerfully. Now, I will tell you, uh, when you start giving cheerfully, you're going to start seeing things, and I think 5% is a benchmark, 10% is a benchmark, and my goal, and I'll tell you my goal, my goal was to get well beyond where I'm giving away 10%, because I love doing it. I wish I had more to give right now, but the kids, they eat a lot. <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't really see it uh, as you got to give 10%. I just want to set you free from that. I, I want you to give, get generous, be generous, and start, start being generous, and start moving in that direction. What about where do I give? Church organic or church organized? Well, here's the deal. Church organic uh, uses the money. The church organic uses the money to pay for rent. Church organic uses the money to pay for the lights. Church organic provides coffee. <laughs> Not organic. I'm saying organic. Church organized. You got me. You're with me. We, we pay the rent. We turn on the lights. We make the coffee. We put on Blessing of the Pets for the community. We didn't charge people for that because we want, it's our way of connecting. We're going to have a Christmas Eve party for us. Uh, it's not going to charge us anything. Church organized is going to pay for that. We do red beans and rice on Mondays. Every other Monday, we're having a focus gathering. We, we do all kinds of things. So to give to church organized, I think, is very good. I think it's very healthy. I also think it's very good to give organically. And so sometimes people say to me, look, I came tonight to give this, uh, this $100. But on my way, my neighbor, who has no money, got a flat tire that they told her they need, that she needs a brand new tire. She has no way of affording it. And I was thinking that maybe I, instead of giving it to the church tonight, you know, since I'm hard-pressed, I'd give it and buy her a new tire. And I would say to you, buy her a new tire. Buy her a new tire. Do that. It's good. Because I trust, I really do. And I'll tell you, it's scary. But I trust that when you ask the Holy Spirit what to do, that the Holy Spirit's going to start figuring out how the Spirit of God's going to take care of us, church organized and church organic. Now, if we all decide that we're not going to give to church organized, we'll, 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 they'll probably charge us less rent if we meet in the room with no AC. But we'll, we'll, you know, we can knock it down a notch. But so, so where do I give? I just want to tell you, I, I want to give you freedom there. Um, we have a budget. Mid-City Vineyard has a budget. We're working on next year's budget. And we base it off of what we think is going to come in, like every other business. Um, bring your offering here and, and be, be generous with your offering there. Follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Does this message on money come across pretty good? Is this okay for you guys? Like this is, yeah, okay. I, cause I feel, so here's what I, uh, I want to do. Uh, I want to pass the offering basket. Uh, 
Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass the offering baskets. But here's what I'd like for you to do. I would like for you to take an envelope out of the offering basket. Everybody, everybody, go, 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 go. Pass them around, pass them around. Because here's what we're going to do. Yeah, you can open it. We, I desire that we would participate together. Children, you can participate in this. Parents, watch your children closely. Um, I desire that we would participate in some form of, of, of um, exercise, experience together. So here's what we're going to do. Tonight, Mid-City Vineyard is giving you an envelope. And in that envelope, you are either going to have a $50 bill or a $100 bill. In that envelope, you're going to have a card. And with that card, here's what, here's what we are asking. I want you to know, this money that you just received, this is not your money. Everybody do this. This is not your money. This money belongs to Mid-City Vineyard, which ultimately, this money is kingdom money. So what I want you to do with your kingdom money is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do with this money? And I don't want you to make a quick decision. I don't want you to go out tonight and just tip the first uh, person who serves you, just un unless you are just, you know that you know that you know that that's what the Spirit's doing. But I want you to think about this. I want you to pray about this. I want you to engage with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I've got this $50 bill here. What are you doing with this money? And this week, and if it doesn't happen this week, that's fine. Next week or the week after, I want you to figure out what to do with that money and figure out a way to serve someone with that money. And I would like for you to fill out your card so that we can share stories and say, hey, this is what I did with the money. You can add money to it if you want. You can't take money away from it. You can add money to it. You, you can do that. You can, you can, um, you can leave a huge tip. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to give you ideas because I want the Holy Spirit to, to, to give you the idea. But my desire in my heart is that we would all come to a place where we don't just realize, oh, well, this is Mid-City Vineyard's money, which means it's kingdom money, which means, okay. But may we realize that every penny that we receive, every dime, it's all kingdom money. It's all a tool. Just like our house is a tool. You guys want to know why you're at our house all the time? It's because we know that God has told us, this is a tool. That's what you do with this house. This is everyone's house. Your car is a tool. Your, uh, whatever it is, it's a tool to be used for the kingdom that people might see more of the life and beauty and love and generosity and grace and kindness and mercy of the divine. So take this and have fun with it. Go do something with it. And bring your cards back. Bring your cards back. And may we, may we begin to consider, ponder, think, pray. God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? How may I surrender even this to you? Amen?